Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank and I'm with Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. And today we're talking Picard, episode four, Absolute Candor. I really like that name. Uh, Jonathan, overall, what'd you think of the episode? I really liked it. I love that they're uh, changing, and not changing it up, but I mean like they're, they're, they're not staying focused on one uh, direction. It's kind of a d- diverse story, so it's definitely keeping me interested. Yeah, we're finally on another planet, something different. Uh, these Romulan nuns that we got, this like new faction, I'm really excited for them. They seem pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, this feels a little bit more Star Trek-y. Which yeah. is cool. I'm, which I'm really happy that we're learning more about Romulan culture, too, because they seem yeah. to be a big part in uh, Starfleet's past, but we never really got a lot about them. They're always just kind of the mysterious enemy. Well, and that's see, that's the thing is I've, I've seen TNG here and there. I know more of TNG fans, like, you know, they'll know it. Yeah, and uh, I think at Deep Space Nine, they're kind of a big deal, too. And uh, yeah, but I'm like, Voyager, yay. You know, I know about the Kazon. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's a whole different thing. Okay, so let's go ahead and go over our big five points here, our uh, big five moments. <clears throat> First off, we have the flashback. We see Planet Vashti. That's where this whole thing's going to be taking place. It's the Romulan relocation colony. Picard visits as like the admiral in charge of the project. So they're, they're going to be moving people. Remember, Mars is kind of this where they're destined to, right? They're all going to be moving to Mars. Is that what it was? Um. I don't remember. Was that that was, I think that was where the uh, fleet was that was managing the relocation process. Oh, okay, so I that think makes that's sense. The Federation's hub for this this uh, assistance or emergency relief or whatever. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so Picard is sort of a celebrity when he gets there. Of course, he's a celebrity everywhere. He's Picard, um, and while he's here, this is actually where he finds out that Mars was attacked, and so you know, it, it, we kind of get an idea where the timeline is there. And uh, we also meet a young Elnor. He's going to be our new crew member. Uh, he's an orphan that are, that the mon- uh, nuns are taking care of. And he kind of feels like uh, he doesn't have a male role model. And Picard's kind of filling in for that. I like that scene where they're fencing and they're practicing. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you think of this scene? Uh, I, I like it because it, it shows that Picard isn't just doing this for the fame and glory or anything, anything like that. Oh, yeah. He's falling in love with these innocent people that he's trying to help protect and and not just protect the people, but their culture and their, their civilization. So mm-hmm. it's good to see that he has that, that deep, close personal connection with a, at least a certain group of the Romulans. Yeah, yeah. And and they it's called absolute candor, and that's one of the big things with these Romulans is that they only tell the truth. And so that kind of, I, I kind of like when you have something like that, like the, oh, we hide our emotions of the Vulcans. And now we have, Eleanor's going to be just like blunt and obvious the whole time. Kind of reminds you of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. where he's just be like, you know he's not pus- he's not going around the bushes at all. He's just gonna tell you the truth. So it's and that cool. that was teachings only of the Romulan nuns, right? Of this uh, society yeah. of nuns. Yeah, that's not like a regular Romulan thing. That's just of the nuns. From uh, my because I think again, they did point out that that's kind of <laughs> countercultural for the Romulans. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of like Nemesis and stuff like that. I know that there was some lying going on. So yeah. Uh, next up, we have okay. So present day now. We're in the we're in current day. Uh, the crew is headed to Free Cloud, but Picard wants to stop off at Vesti first. Uh, Free Cloud is that kind of like casino city they're gonna or planet they're going to. They rebuilt the chateau in the holodeck. Did you notice that? What did you think of them doing that? Yeah, at first I didn't realize that's what that that was, but then you know he, he freezes the hologram, you see the birds stopping on it. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was pretty cool. It's, it's uh, I don't know. It's good to have familiar settings like that. I know we can't have uh, amazing, beautiful sets for everything. So. Yeah, it's definitely the cost-effective way of going. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was saying before, like uh, 
you know, they they obviously must have, or they probably bought a vineyard to be able to do all these big uh, scenes on and stuff like that. So yeah, at that point, somebody's like, hey, we got to use this freaking vineyard more often. Yeah. We're throwing, throwing barbecues over here and all kinds of stuff or something. I'm imagining they like rented it for a week and they're just like, film every scene possible at the vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. can get this thing used up. <laughs> I'm going to have my nephew's birthday here tomorrow, guys. Hurry yeah. up. <laughs> so, yeah. In between, like, Picard sees he got bottle bits buzz and stuff like that going on. Right. <laughs> um, got to utilize it. Yeah. But it is very nice. And we know that in a future scene, and I was wondering, like, how this is going to work out. In the future scene, Riker and uh, Deanna are there. So, we know that they're, they're going to use it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's, uh, like, just a more comfortable setting. Like, at the end of the day, you return home. Yes. So, that helps them kind of reset or, or feel more grounded, I think. It, it does, but it does kind of feel weird when the last episode, uh, he was leaving the chateau and looked up to the stars. He says, like, this isn't really my place. I should be up there. So you're kind of like, okay, when you get up there, you make the chateau come with you. I don't That's know. It true. kind of feels a little weird that way. What, you know? <laughs> what do you miss? You can't have two mistresses, bud. Either yeah. <laughs> love, love Earth or love space. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think in the end, it's just, it's good for the show. So like that. I think season two, maybe they'll change it up. Yeah. Uh, so we learn that Vashti has gone downhill after the Mars attacks, and now there's a warlord that has a bird of prey, uh, an ancient bird of prey, really, that's kind of keeping everybody on lockdown. It's, you know, there's racism on the planet and stuff like that. It's falling apart. Uh, Federation's kind of, it sounds like they turned a blind eye to the situation. The planet has a uh, orbital defense grid and drones and everything like that, so they're defending them for themselves. And the plan is just to have Picard go alone so they don't raise too many alarms. And uh, he's going to go in by himself. This planet seems pretty cool. I liked the way it looked. It kind of had that... Uh, um, how would you describe this planet? Like the the, text, the architect of the planet. Um, Sort of these white buildings. They remind me of like Tunisia and stuff like that. Yeah. Kind of like an old, old Spanish kind of... Oh, yeah. I, I can know. see that. It's Yeah, it was, it was definitely a beautiful setting. Yeah. Kind of Game of Thrones take on Dorne, which is Spain, but it, like that with a lot of grass almost growing through all the architecture was pretty cool. Or the trees, you know, growing through the architecture is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks really good. I wonder okay, where so they filmed this at. Did they, is that just a built set or is that a, a small town they found to film? That town, so I, yeah, what they could have done is they could have built the bottom layer of the town and then used CGI to make it go up because there were shots where it felt like the town was going up a hill, uh, but that could be done with CGI. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I can't think of any American cities that would have that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe something down in Mexico would have it. I'm not, yeah, it's but it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next big moment here, we have uh, Picard arrives. He's, again, alone, and he re- reconnects with the Romulan nuns. Uh, these warrior nuns, right? So they, they actually train uh, to a certain point into uh, fighting styles and stuff like that. They are the enemies of the Romulan secret police, which we've seen as, like, the main bad guy here. The nuns ask Picard to take on the uh, fully trained adult version of Elnor. Because Elnor, he's he's a man, so he can't actually become one of the warrior nuns. But they still trained him in all the fighting styles, so he's still awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then Picard, you know, so he's going to go to this Elnor and he's going to try to have the um, his uh, sword bonded to him, so or to his yeah. cause. And he's explaining himself to Elnor, and Elnor just basically says, like, oh, now you need me, and he walks away. Yeah. Uh, do you do you blame Elnor for that? Kinda, I kind of no, sympathize not- with him. Not at all. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him. And it's it's a, a bad on both sides because Picard didn't realize that he was in this situation. He, he you know, bonded with the kid, really liked the kid. And then this, you know, attack on Mars and everything happened. 
and he didn't he didn't see another way to help the Romulans, so he you know had to pretty much was forced to retire, and so he lived in his chateau. He didn't realize that this kid was still stuck at the was stuck living with the nuns and didn't get raised by a proper family because the the head nun I can't remember her name told him you know don't worry we'll find some uh, family to take care of him we'll find a new home for him, and so mm-hmm. Picard just kind of trusted like okay you know they'll figure it out and they weren't able to so. They just continued to raise him there, and he felt, you know, betrayed and neglected by the only male role model that he had, who just kind of abandoned him. So yeah, that was, that was tough on both sides, but it was good that we got to see they kind of, kind of hashed it out a little bit, and I'm sure there'll be a little bit more surfacing later on in the in the future. But it's good to uh, to see them able to reconnect in that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's there's kind of this theme that's been going on this whole time, and I'm not sure if I'm a fan of it. Where it makes sense, but like Picard's feeling guilty because he feels like after the Mars attacks, he didn't like stay and fight for his position back or uh, become an advocate for the Romulans or anything like that. Like he just decided to retire and try to forget everything when there were people that are still ne- needing him. Uh, in in the pros column is it's it's good story wise and character development wise where you show like this celebrity level character has flaws. But in another way, it's like, man, it's Picard, though. You hate to think of him doing wrong. And, you know, you want him to just start thriving. And he's, he's you know, so it's kind of this weird spot. What do you, how do you feel like that's going? Yeah. What do you think well, about that? I, so I don't think, I think that's how, how we're being given it. But I don't think that he uh, chose to not come back and save anybody. I think he was more or less stripped of his authority. Because even when he went back to ask for a crew, they said, you know, are you are you kidding me? Are you ridiculous coming here thinking that you can command another crew? So he was yeah. shamed by the by the Federation as soon as that Mars attack happened. So he was on no footing to call for troops to or transports or anything like that to continue to help the Romulans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, f- I feel bad and I feel that he feels all this guilt because he was the pioneer leading this this uh, uh, rescue mission, and because of that attack, that wasn't necessarily his fault. Then he got, you know, pushed out of it and thrown thrown to the side. So he he kind of lost all power after that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's he'll he'll have to get past it. It's kind of it sets him up against Starfleet in the end. So uh, I think that's somewhere we haven't really explored much yeah. in the Star uh, Star Trek universe. So I'm excited to see that. And yeah. Picard, if you're using Picard to do that, that's you know that's pretty big leverage. That's gonna be pretty big. And we've seen little hints of of the conspiracy in the background. So I think when the conspiracy yeah. of, you know, corruption in the Federation comes out or in Starfleet, then I think that will help absolve his name in this whole thing. And it'll show that, Oh, these people launched this attack to intentionally stop, you know, what was happening and remove Picard from the equation to make sure it wasn't revitalized or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common thing in TNG too, that the Starfleet, there's like a certain commander that's, uh, corrupt or something like that. So it's good that they're still carrying that across too, and that would be the reason to go against Starfleet and Hull. Uh, yeah. Next on on Vesti, uh, we see that Picard. You know, he's been denied by Elnor, but he goes to this restaurant, and they have like a Romulan only sign. So he tears it off. He goes in. He sits down. He tries to have some food. They're ignoring him. The senator comes up and basically says like, "You've abandoned us," and uh, initiates a duel with him. Yeah, uh, they're gonna be fencing. I was kind of hoping to see Picard actually like bust out some good fencing, but I think Patrick Stewart can't. <laughs> like, so so we're there. <clears throat> yeah, we uh, want to keep him around as long as possible. So let's not push him too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but then Elnor shows up, 
tells the dude like, hey, don't do this fight, man. Get back. Guy, of course, doesn't agree with it. And he just slices his head off like, oh, it was so clean. Yeah. Uh, then Elnor's like, he's sworn to me or I'm sworn to him, vice versa. And uh, they're locked in. How do you think that scene was? Do you, to me, I kind of felt like it was a little bit tacked on, like they just needed a reason for Elnor to change his mind. Yeah, it was, it was a little fast, but I I mean, I like the scene. I like how he showed off his skills uh, right away. Uh, I like how he came in, he gave the guy an option. He said, do you want to choose to live or not? And yeah. the guy, you know, went forward to attack Picard. So then he kicks and cuts one guy or whatever, then just clean slice, takes his head off. Um, which was, yes, yeah, it was a cool scene. But I did think it was a little bit rushed, not very well uh, set up, but. It, we needed to get there is what it was. So, yeah, they yeah, kind of yeah. pushed that one a little faster, faster than it should have been, I think. But Yeah, because what they in doing this, what they had set up is uh, in the future, we have Elnor, who now is bound to Picard, but yet there will be that growing thing where they're still trying to learn how to trust each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't have that if Elnor didn't deny him at first. Yeah. So you had to get that, then have a reason for him to go. So it's, it's kind of this wonky thing that in the end will pay off. So and, and I like how it goes both ways because Picard didn't expect him to kill that guy. And he even tells him as soon as they teleport to the ship um, that, hey, what did you do? Why did you kill him? That man didn't deserve to die. Yeah. And then, you know, he tells Elnor, if you're going to if you're going to bind yourself, your sword to my cause, then I will tell you when to attack and when to refrain. Pretty much that, you know, he can can try to tame him and not, you know, increase the death toll or whatever. The process. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so we'll probably see that in the future too where he's kind of like telling him how to fight and stuff like that in a different way. Because I'm sure that Warrior Nuns, if you have a title like the Warrior Nuns, you're pretty much balls of the wall. <laughs> you're not, yeah. not going to be like holding back much. Well, did uh, you get um, what the requirement was for them to accept a cause? Oh, I, I did. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So uh, you want to go ahead and give that a shout out, what it was? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like how they, they kind of... Kept it hush hush or whatever, and then tell you at the end. But mm-hmm. uh, it's only a lost cause. It has to be a lost cause for them to to meet the requirements for them to bind themselves to their to bind their sword to the cause. So I thought that's, that's kind of cool because it's like yeah, if there's nobody else that can help, if there's no chance of success, if there's you know this guy's gonna go off and keep pushing until he dies and his cause will have failed, then okay, that one's worthy. I'll choose to go with him, and if I die in pursuing his quest. So be it, but at least it has a chance now because I've attached myself to it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I was like, man, if I were to create like a D&D character or something like that where I had to create a backstory, what yeah. a cool way to do it, you know? <laughs> That'd be really neat. Yeah. All right, so meanwhile on the board cube, which again, this is kind of just like, I don't even care about this story right now. Uh, it just kind of feels so, I don't know, it's such a divergent from, I want to see more of the Picard part. Uh, Soji continues to research the Romulan XBs. The one that uh, actually recognized her. She questions, at some point, she uh, questions Narok on his real job. I think Narok actually told her the truth. Did he tell her the truth right there? Uh, I don't don't remember. I don't remember what he said at that point. Okay. Yeah, because he was telling her, like, yeah, I'm doing this, yeah, I'm doing that. I I, I think he kind of gave her, like, a half-truth on that one, Hmm. uh, which shows that he's starting to fall in love and might make some mistakes. I think we all expect that to happen. Yeah. He's then going to show her what he calls a Borg ritual, which is basically them just sliding on the hallway in their socks. Uh, this was kind of just like, oh, hey, look at us. We're falling in love moments. Yeah, that was just like a summer teenage movie episode. or, or It really right was. Yeah. That was, that was cheesy. It yeah. was not necessary. I Like like you're saying, I think this whole, the Borg Cube is a beautiful setting, 
But I think this whole story that they're playing on the side of this romance where he's trying to pull information out of her and then he's falling in love and stuff, this can be compressed down to a lot smaller of a story, I think, and elaborate think, somewhere yeah. else. I almost wish it was just like one episode that it happens to be on its own and we're like, oh, look at this. It's a bored cube life. And then we just follow it for one episode and then we're done with it. Because yeah. it, it messes up the pacing, you know, of, of these other episodes by doing this. Yeah. So. I mean, if you just cut to them a little bit less maybe and don't see um, – every little step i don't know because i know with the timeline they want to keep her kind of on an idol on the side until they're ready to feed her into picard's story yeah but which i mean sounds like it's coming pretty soon but yeah we this little kind of side story is not not very amusing maybe if they made it more action-packed where she knows more than she's telling and she's sneaking around the board cube and hiding you know behind his back and she knows that he's trying to get information out of her so she's feeding false information or something That'd something be- cool like that would make it a lot more interesting but this this cutesy romance thing is just not doesn't feel very star trek it doesn't doesn't go good with the story i think best star trek love story jonathan here it is it's tom it. paris and balana oh, yeah. oh yeah and the moment when they really fell in love is when they were both floating in space yep they thought oh. they were gonna die they're running out of oxygen kind of insulting each other a little bit yeah but in that yeah. way that they always do yeah that's how you do it right guys yeah, I mean, All right. it makes me cry every time. I've seen it a million times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, later, we see Narek's sister approach him, which they have a real weird relationship, uh, and questions his loyalty and says, uh, and he's trying to say, like, well, I'm trying to figure out who built her, like, basically get to the guy that's a free cloud uh, and, and really see what's behind this. She kind of, what do you, okay, so did you get that weird vibe? Like, is she too touchy-feely with him? Did you get that weird yeah, vibe or is that so, just me? So I get that, which I don't know if they're legit family, maybe uh maybe they just play that to to entice this the story like maybe their characters aren't actually related for some reason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i don't know but yeah they're definitely she's too hands-on but i don't think i like her either either it's the character or the actress but at that point when she like it when she's grabbing his throat he's acting pretty good like he's being strangled but she yeah. has to like regrip twice i'm like it's so funny you totally you just broke up. the scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's acting like he's being choked and you're like oops my hand fell off your neck sorry bud yeah it's funny you say that because that's exactly like on a saturday night live that kind of thing happens all the time but it's like everybody laughs yeah. at it but there's nobody laughing and it's just like yeah. uh, uh, oops <laughs> you know? i was like it's so funny you brought that up i almost forgot about that yeah yeah so weird. it was just it, that really bugged me about that scene like you just you, you just kind of ruined that whole whole setup so yeah i don't really care for her or her story so they can cut her out cut him out just yeah. get soji on to the next step I uh, know. I'm ready for Picard to get in there, save the day, and be done. Yeah. I think I think what's going to end up care. happening. Just one way or the other. What was that? I, yeah. I think what's going to end up happening is like Soji and Narek will join Picard's crew, and they're going to be fighting Romulans. I think that's what we could expect. Yeah. Uh, He's going to become a a synth uh, loyalist or whatever you call it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But back on the ship we care about, Picard. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we have uh, Picard and Elnor back on the ship. And all of a sudden, the, the warlord, while they were on the thing, started attacking them. The warlord with the bird of prey, which is the mm-hmm. old school... Um, Klingon ship. I think he's Klingon uh, ship. And it's fighting him and stuff like that. And uh, now, I didn't know... Did you see it go in cloak? Because that's kind of like the big thing the bird of prey can do. I didn't think it mm-hmm. attacked from cloak. No, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. And usually, that's kind of like one of my favorite things that they could do. But anyways... So uh, they're in a full dogfight, and what's really making it hard is like this is an ancient ship, so really they have the advantage on the ship. 
But now the planetary defenses are kicked in. So you got these red laser beams coming up from the planet and messing them up. Uh, then another ship joins the fight. Out of nowhere, this little small fighter ship comes in, ends up saving them, but gets critically hit. And they're asking to be beamed aboard. Mm-hmm. They get beamed aboard. And I was hoping this was going to happen. It's seven of nine. And Woo-hoo. she ends up like, you owe me a ship, passes out. And so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I Classic love that. Seven seven nine. Nine. She's, she's so like, great. You, you owe me a ship, Ricard, and collapses. Yeah. So she looks like she's you know, in that saying that's almost like a joke. So that's kind of, you know, we got to imagine that 709 has been continuously developing, you know, yeah. even past Voyager, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so her personality is now probably fully human. Uh, yeah. And I, I want to actually go back and watch the episode with her mom and dad because I kind of had a vibe of like, I think that's her dad's personality. She's going to be trying to to use you know uh what did you think about the first 709 appearance i i think it was <laughs> i think it was too short i want to see full yeah. full unloaded episodes with her i don't want it to feel shoehorned in of course but uh i'm ready for her to be a steady member of the cast yeah. uh but i mean it was it was cool it was an exciting way to introduce her of course you want her to be front and center i don't want to see her just kind of hanging out in the back of the bar or something but uh being beamed in as the one that just saved the whole crew and then have had to be saved in return, but yeah, I think it was it was awesome. She looks awesome in her new her new getup and everything too. So definitely yeah, outside the fun. law. Yeah, it's not like it's a, a Starfleet uniform or something like that. Yeah, I want to I want to think she's more out there, like uh, either fighting fighting for injustice against uh, synths or or former Borg or something like that. Uh, yeah. But living more of a Han Solo kind of life in the Star Trek world, of course. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, in, in my perfect scenario here, she's she's fighting to save the Borg and treat them like humans because we see on the Borg cube that they don't treat them like humans. They're they're almost like farming some of them, or they don't mm-hmm. care. Like the Romulan ones get a little better treatment, but everybody else is like farming and they don't care about them. So I'd like to think that she's out there trying to save them as humans, or you know, what I'm saying like as yeah. people and bring them back, kind of thing. Yeah, like so, Captain Janeway did help them regain their humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, which actually that kind of brings up uh, Soji's boss was a former Borg and they kind of use a lot of promotional art with him. So I think he's going to become more important as the time goes on. Hmm. That would be cool if he joins the crew. Uh, but yeah, he was a former Borg that's that's been back now. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And I, I uh, want to say he, he's a little bit, a little bit of a known actor. I've seen him before. Yeah. Okay. So there you so. go. That's, that's good too. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, of the next episode, it looks like they're going to infiltrate Free Cloud, and it's one of those things where they're going to dress up and kind of like, oh, we belong to the upper class that are here gambling. This also feels like it's going to be setting up a very Star Trek-esque episode. We've seen that a hundred times where they like have to infiltrate a certain planet and pretend like they belong to the planet. Yeah. So that looks pretty cool. Any thoughts on, on what you've seen for the next episode? I mean, I think it looks, like you're saying, I think it's like kind of a signature Star Trek thing to do. Uh, the, the story has to have offshoots it can't just stay you know on the same the same uh, pace all the time so it'd be cool to see a little bit different setting a little bit different goal i mean they have to infiltrate this place probably find bruce maddox try to uh, extract him from the planet and all that uh so it'll be fun i'm i'm hoping it 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 looks like it's gonna be fun yeah yeah that's 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 a good way to put it It it's gonna be a fun one i would do see 709 dual wielding her pistol shooting at people so i'm already on board for that yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to get discovered about halfway through and have to shoot their way out. I'm excited. That sounds about right, yeah. All right, guys, uh, that's going to be it for us. We will come back to you next week. Uh, sorry for the delay on this one, Valentine's Day and whatnot, so that happens. 
Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow. We have a brand new episode coming out of the main podcast. It's a crossover with Ronan Geek Official Podcast. I was laughing the entire time. It, <laughs> it, it's so crazy. It goes off the rails so fast. It's uh, who would win in a fight for the most of the episode is that. And uh, Alex, one of their guys, kept like making it to where like Batman and Iron Man lock eyes across the street. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> so every one of the fights ended up that way. So it was pretty good. All right, guys. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.